Welcome to the Slay and Thrive podcast, where we make crushing your goals feel like self-care. This is the show that helps high-energy women trapped in self-destructive patterns cultivate an unapologetic, loving body transformation through spiritual and personal development. On this podcast, you'll learn about dynamic eating psychology principles, mindset, shadow integration, and manifestation. I'm your host, Kayla Van Egdom, a health and energy guide, unicorn lover, and Amazon best-selling author. I am so delighted to be on this journey with you. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another guest interview. You are going to love this one. It's different than most of the guest episodes I've had. I tend to go towards the soft aspects when I talk to my guests. So the more intangible concepts instead of really diving into the science. So this one is educational. It is inspiring. We are joined by Samantha Gladish, who has been working in the health and hormonal optimization field for over a decade, 15 years. And she's also had her own struggles with autoimmune disorders and challenges with her hormones. So today, what we are doing that is very different is we're getting into some of the science as well as the spirituality of a healthy journey. So Sam is going to share with us her top three four fundamentals of hormonal health and everyday vitality. So if you just did these three things, it would help enormously. She also shares how to tackle those feelings of deprivation and the feelings of missing out when you're doing something like healing from an autoimmune disorder. Because in order to do that, you often do have to eliminate certain types of food for at least a while. And then she finally also shares how to infuse spirituality into the science and the strategy on a health journey. So you are getting it all today. I know you're going to love this episode, and I'm wishing you another amazing week. Hello, Sam, and welcome to the Slay and Thrive podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am super excited to have you. We chatted a bit before the interview, and one thing I probably don't do enough of on the show is dive into more of the science behind health and metabolism and all those things. So I'm excited for you to bring your wisdom there and share your thoughts on the spiritual aspects of everything as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'd love for you to just start by sharing a bit about who you are and the work you do in the world. Totally. So my name is Samantha Gladish. I am a hormone nutritionist, and I have been coaching women in the health and wellness space for well over 15 years. And hormones just became a natural sort of zone of genius, I guess you could say for me, because having gone through my own hormonal issues, it was really easy for me to relate to so many other women who were 
going through issues with PMS or the birth control pill or their thyroid. Um, so I, yeah, I graduated from nutrition school many, many years ago, <laughs> over 15 years ago. And, um, you know, kind of dove headfirst into the space of health and wellness. And um, I do also spend time coaching practitioners and wellness coaches and scaling and building their online business. Uh, you know, you definitely get to a point where you've been doing your work for so long that it's like, okay, time, you know, time for the new thing, time for that, that next thing that lights you up. Cause obviously we, we all evolve. Right. So just kind of following those nudges. So, yeah, so I do a bit of both. I mean, I'm either coaching women in the health space, or I guess you could say in the wealth space as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I would love for you to share a bit more about your personal story and how you came into the work around hormones, because I think that's such a great thing for people to know just that they're not alone and that you've come through this and you're on the other side of some of these challenges as well. Absolutely. So I would say like my first initial roller coaster ride with hormones was when I was a teenager and just getting my period. I had a very regular period. It wasn't a really heavy period, but it brought with it a lot of cramps and migraines and headaches. And it was really uncomfortable. So I saw all these other girls in my high school going on the birth control pill And that seemed to be the solution to managing these symptoms. So I remember going to my doctor's office and just saying, you know, I have all this pain. I have all these issues with my period and I've, and it sucks and I have headaches and migraines and cramping. And I've heard about the pill and literally he just handed me the pack and on my way I went, I wasn't really told about any side effects. um, And I just really trusted that that was the best solution. I wasn't educated in any other sort of areas of my health or well-being, or I wasn't asked about nutrition or anything like that. I was just handed those pack of pills and on on my way I went. And I stayed on the pill for almost eight years. And, you know, I would definitely abuse the pill. So I'm not sure if you're familiar, if you've been on the pill yourself, but you could essentially take your pill during the week of your quote unquote period, because it's not actually a period that you get when you're on the pill, it's a pill bleed. So that week, if I was like going to a friend's cottage, or we were going to be swimming or something, I would take the pill so that I wouldn't get my period. Um, And I didn't do that a lot. But still, there was, you know, times where I was kind of abusing that. So um, all in all, it led to, you know, many years later, finally being in nutrition school and hearing about hormones and health and the pill and all of that, that this light bulb went off. And I was just like, Oh, my God, I, I need to get off of the pill, you know, it shuts down ovulation, it affects your estrogen and progesterone production. And it's really shutting down the part that makes you a woman makes you who you are, whether you want to have babies or not, ovulation is so important. Um, Just having a fertile body and having a healthy menstrual cycle is really important for our overall hormonal development. And so I basically came off the pill uh, in that sort of first week at nutrition school. And luckily I got my cycle back, no problem. And I think that's because I had already been so immersed in the health and wellness space. And I was taking supplements at that time. I was eating a pretty clean diet and 
just taking care of myself that my cycle ended up coming back with ease. Um, now, mind you, of course, I still struggled with like migraines and headaches and some cramping and things like that. But I really learned ways to manage that um, and support my body to to really minimize those symptoms. Um, but then fast forward, you know, many years after that, when I was in my early 30s, I got or my I guess my mid 30s, I got diagnosed with autoimmune Hashimoto's. And that is essentially you know, any autoimmune condition is going to involve your gut. Um, and basically my, my body was attacking my thyroid. And so I was dealing with all kinds of weird symptoms. I had what literally almost felt like arthritis in my hands. And I remember going to the gym to like work out and grip weights. And I like really couldn't grip the weights. Like my hands hurt so much. And I was dealing with like weight fluctuations, mood issues, my hair was thinning. I felt so exhausted. Like I was literally just a zombie walking through the day. Um, couldn't really sleep. And yeah, and it just, again, a light bulb went off. And after coaching women for so many years and hearing about Hashimoto's and working closely with thyroid in my practice over the years, after experiencing all those symptoms, I literally just said to myself, oh, I know what this is. This is autoimmune Hashimoto's. Like I just instinctively knew and sure enough, went to my naturopath, did the testing, my antibodies were really high. And then that led me on a path of really diving deep into autoimmune health, thyroid, metabolic health. So that was a really long winded answer. <laughs> but a really good one. And it's really insightful to see how you experienced not one, but multiple challenges in the arena of hormones, thyroid health, immune disorders. Because I, I what I've seen is that when people have one of these things, they often have multiple of these things. Totally. So what are some of the common places where people can start to make some shifts to help heal these areas that have the most profound impact in the beginning? And I know this is a generalization, but the things you've seen that have the biggest impact that can be sort of worked out first. Yeah, so it's a great question because even though it's very general, I think that we have to focus on the foundational elements and so many of us undermine them. We get so caught up by really expensive testing and don't get me wrong, I am all about functional lab testing and I think it's fantastic and what we have access to nowadays with Dutch testing and GI map testing and you know, all these great tests, like they're fantastic and they will provide so much more detail and data that will help you gain more insight into your, your hormones. But at the same time, regardless of what the tests are showing, you still need to implement foundational health strategies because the test is going to, again, regardless of what it says, in order to support whatever those results show, the foundations matter, which I'll get to in a second. And then it's the same thing with like supplementation. It's amazing. Supplements can definitely help move the needle. But if you're not implementing the foundational strategies, those supplements are only going to take you so far. So everything works that much better when you can actually do the foundational things. And so um, number one, starting with diet, I think, you know, that's just a really um, the really important place to start. And um, I, I don't want to say the term like clean eating, because I think that's just, again, that's really general, but 
just being really conscious of, of what you're eating. I think that a lot of women are under eating protein and protein is so essential because that protein breaks down into amino acids and those amino acids go on to build your neurotransmitters, which support your mood, support your sleep, support your brain health, your focus, your anxiety, like all of that. So protein is really important and making sure that, you know, so many of the women that I coach is aiming at the bare minimum 90 grams a day um, of protein working up to, you know, maybe it's 120, 140. It can definitely depend on somebody's body weight. Um, so that will vary and that will be a little bit more customized based on your weight. But protein is essential for sure. And having balanced meals, so protein, carbs, and fats, and not fearing the fats, your fats actually build your hormones. You can't have healthy hormones without healthy fats. And when I'm speaking about fats, I am speaking about animal fats, saturated fats. So that's where you're going to get those really powerful vitamins, vitamin A, D, E, and K. And they play such an important role in your immune health, your gut health, your thyroid, your thyroid needs vitamin A. You cannot get vitamin A plant-based. So you can get beta carotene, but that beta carotene has to convert in the liver to that vitamin A and the chances of that happening are actually very, very slim. So you get retinol, which is the active form of vitamin A, and you get that retinol from animal products and animal um, you know, proteins and, and fats. So that retinol is really important because it does actually help with your thyroid conversion. Um, so I know that sometimes this can ruffle a bit of feathers because people are very hung up on the, you know, the diet they follow. And at the end of the day, like I fully respect whatever choice you want to make for yourself when it comes to what you're eating. I think it's just that some of us are lacking a bit of education around our physiology or around really just like how these foods can truly impact our health and what we really need. So I used to be vegan for a very long time and then vegetarian and, you know, it, it worked for me until it didn't. Right. And we started to, I started to notice like deficiencies and again, the hair loss and all sorts of things that were happening. So I really had to make this conscious effort to, I wanted to feel better. I had to be open to trying new ways. Um, so protein, uh, fats, carbs, really important. Do not fear the carbs. Do not fear the fats. Um, so getting in, just going back to the saturated fats, for, for example, like coconut oil is actually a, a great source. Um, and that is actually more of a plant-based source. So that's a great option, but butter, grass-fed um, butter, ideally grass-fed uh, ghee, um, olive oil, you know, avocado, olives, like all of those are going to be really great. And then obviously the fats that you would get from eating animal proteins, excuse me. So like, um, you know, if you're eating beef or a lamb or whatever that might look like chicken, right? Um, and then carbohydrates are really important. I always am a fan of fruits and roots because they're super mineral dense and they're going to give you a lot of fiber as well. So that's foundational, like get the protein in, get the carbs in, get the fat in, eat those balanced meals and don't under eat like don't fear the calories, your body when you you know, it's hard to see or even feel what's going on behind the scenes in your body. Like you don't know the day-to-day -day workings, but like when you actually sit to think about 
all these natural processes that just happen and that you're doing just just automatically like that's a lot of energy output that's a lot of work and your body needs nourishment and fuel to just do all these regular day-to-day things on top of helping with your menstrual cycle and shedding that uterine lining like it's a very metabolic intensive process and you need nutrition to support that um so food for sure sleep is really essential establishing a really healthy sleep cycle and going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time every day. Um, that's really important. Dimming the lights at night, not having artificial light and being in front of your computer or your phone, you know, late at night or when you're lying in bed, which is the worst thing. So really have boundaries around that because that artificial light is going to impact your melatonin production. It will also impact serotonin production. So moods and sleep and all of that. So that's going to be really key. The last piece I will add here is nature. Get outside in nature. That natural sunlight is important for setting your circadian rhythm. It's actually a a way that our body really detoxes and cleanses and resets itself. It's by being exposed to natural light, but breathing in fresh air and earthing and being with nature and, you know, touching the ground and being in the forest. Like that's really, really important. So being outside of nature is, is really key. Um, so those were, those would be some three essentials that I would really focus on. I agree. If you have those three things, you're not only going to feel really good physically, but also mentally and emotionally as well. And it's interesting you talk about the animal proteins because I was the same way. I was a vegetarian vegan for a while and it made me feel better initially. And then my hair started falling out. My binge eating became super severe. My energy was always low. And it was incredible how much better I felt adding back in the animal protein. So I love that you brought that up as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So I have a question and this one comes from having a loved one who has Hashimoto's and they have noticed that they feel their best when they avoid certain types of food. Gluten is the big one for them. However, they love food so much and they really struggle to imagine a life where they just never have gluten so there's there's some struggles with consistency there because there's a sense of deprivation so how do you coach your clients through these types of scenarios absolutely so that's a great question and I can totally relate so I totally understand that so it's really about making a reframe and I think it's so easy for us to look at what we can't have versus looking at what we can have. So if you're in a state of health right now where you do not feel well, and that can look different for everybody, right? So in the state of, for example, going back to my story with Hashimoto's, having pain in my hands, feeling really irritable, anxious, not sleeping, exhausted, thinning hair, you know, gaining weight, I did not feel well. And I'm pretty sure a lot of us can agree that if you don't feel well, like, wouldn't you want to do whatever you can to get back to that place of vitality? And so it was a real commitment. And like, don't get me wrong, I was already at a place where I was gluten free and, you know, super healthy diet, organically, like I was already at that place, but I had to take it really a step further And I went on the autoimmune paleo protocol, 
which eliminates even more food, right? Nuts, seeds, eggs, even like um, specific spices that come from like a seed. So like no fennel seed, no mustard, because it's mustard seed, right? Like you have to be really conscious of the things you're eliminating. So it could be really easy to look at this like autoimmune paleo list of foods to avoid and just be like, oh my God, I'm left with nothing. Mm -hmm. But instead I looked at that and I always tell my clients the same thing is like, look at this as opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to explore new foods, for you to get creative. And not only that, it's temporary. Wouldn't you want to do something that's going to help again, bring you back to that state of vitality and support your body so that you can be at a place where you can now maybe enjoy more foods because this whole like everybody should be gluten-free or everybody should be dairy-free like there's a lot of fear-mongering I feel that goes on in the wellness space and just like diet culture alone and you know sugar-free like all of the things like when you think about wanting to have food freedom well that doesn't sound very free (laughs) right so everybody is so biochemically different and yes there are foods that are going to be trigger foods that you won't be able to heal if you keep eating those trigger foods gluten especially and especially in the case of autoimmune Hashimoto's because the protein the structure of gluten looks very similar to the thyroid gland that antibodies essentially get confused and they're like, do I attack the gluten or do I attack the thyroid gland? I don't know. They look the same. We'll attack both. So it can be very destructive. Not only that, autoimmune stems in the gut because your immune system lives in your gut. And so if you're eating something that's very triggering to the immune system, you're going to constantly be in a state of inflammation. Your body won't be able to heal. And then when you try to eat foods and have some flexibility, you're, it feels like you're reacting to everything. So give your body time to heal and just know that it's temporary. And then once you get to this state and this place of really having, having done the elimination, focused on managing stress, because that plays a really big role in how you digest food, you know, managing stress, replenishing nutrients, getting your body back to the state of vitality. Now it might be an opportunity to not like go on this like gorge and try all of the things, but maybe it's one thing that gets reintroduced. So for example, after years and years of not eating gluten, I I would say in the past like two years, I started to really crave sourdough bread. And we'd go out for lunch and go to these brunches and there'd be sourdough bread on the menu. And I would just be like, I so badly want to eat the sourdough. Like I just, my body is like, yes, please just eat the sourdough. And so I started to slowly reintroduce sourdough. And after, you know, six, seven years of not having gluten and testing my antibodies, and I shouldn't say not like 100% not having gluten because there were times where like I was traveling to Italy I ate all the gluten, right? There, I'm certain there were times where we went to certain restaurants where there was probably gluten in the sauce or something like that. So after testing my antibodies and being on top of that for, you know, six to seven years and like going to get my tests every four to six months, gluten, whether I ate it or didn't eat it, it that didn't impact my antibodies. 
So that got me to a point where I was like, okay, I can see after all these years that like gluten really isn't a trigger for me. So I started to introduce sourdough back in. Now I make my own sourdough and I do make gluten-free sourdough, but I will also make a traditional one. And I kind of go back and forth between them. It's not something I eat every day, but that's another part of it is just like monitoring. So, you know, for your partner, having him like monitor antibodies and be on track of that, because then you can really start to see like, whether I eat this or not, it really doesn't seem to be impacting his antibodies. And one thing, one last thing I'll add here, like I went to Italy in 2018. And like I said, I ate all the things. And when I came back after that trip, my antibodies were at the lowest they had ever been. And the reason that is, is because you think about, well, what did two weeks of travel look like? Stress-free, no computer, sunshine, beach, adventure, joy. That has a massive impact on our health. And I don't think we realize that or we tend to undermine it. 100%. I think there's a massive difference between eating a loaf of bread on the couch after a long day of work when you're just like so tired and wanting to check out versus, oh my goodness, I'm in Italy, this bread is incredible. And I imagine you know all, well, you definitely know all about this, just the way that your body physiologically like processes the food so different in both situations. 100%. It's so true. This is why we have this like epidemic of autoimmune right now, because people are stressed to the max. They're undernourished. They're not sleeping. They're not getting outside. They wake up in the morning, go in the kitchen, make their coffee, get in their car, go to work. Didn't even go outside under artificial light all day, get back in the car, go home. Like, you know, there's no time for self-care and play and adventure and travel and just downtime. So of course our bodies are going to react, right? So our environment plays a really big role. Yes, for sure. So I imagine one of the big things you work with your clients is on this stress piece and is on the context in which they're eating their food. So can you speak a little bit more about some of the areas you really love to work with your clients here? Yeah. So when I think about like stress and just like the content, like you said, the context of eating their food, this really makes me think of blood sugar because I don't think we realize how under eating, over exercising, intermittent fasting, skipping meals, how this is actually a stressor to our bodies. Like we're already under significant stress and I'm sure a lot of us are feeling it, especially all that has happened in the past three years. You know, we're just like trying to find our grounds again, like, you know, our footing again. And so we are busy people and we're going through the day, you know, just being so distracted and so preoccupied and we're not prioritizing ourselves. And, you know, I can think about so many of the women that I've worked with, like in corporate, and they're just like working through their lunch period and deadlines and highly stressed and having a cup of coffee And then five o'clock comes and they're just like, wow, I only had like two eggs today and, you know, two cups of coffee and they're like starving and famished. And by that point, you're really not in a state to be reaching for the kale salad and some chicken breast. You know what I mean? You, you either want another cup of coffee or you want carbs because your blood sugar has dropped now so low 
and your body is screaming at you for fuel, that fuel comes in the form of food and calories. So what happens is we ignore these signals. Our body is telling us we're hungry, eat some food, but we ignore it and we just carry on with our day or we get caught up in the fads of like intermittent fasting, uh, even though we're already really stressed and then you add intermittent fasting on top of that and take fuel away and nourishment, that's actually adding more fuel to the fire. So I don't necessarily agree with intermittent fasting, but it really does depend on the person and like their level of stress resilience. And so going back to the blood sugar piece, like when we think about stress, a lot of us think of, well, of course, like day-to-day stressors and bills and deadlines and work and our boss and our kids and our family, all that kind of stuff. Right. And sure, those are stressors, but we don't realize the like metabolic stressors that happen in the body literally every day by under eating and skipping meals and fasting. So when that blood sugar drops really, really low, your adrenals are going to kick into play here and be like, okay, we have a stressful situation going on. This person is ignoring our signals for fuel. So your body's going to produce cortisol and DHEA to come and bring that blood sugar back to some sort of baseline because your body is amazing and it wants to keep you alive. So it's doing what it's meant to do, but we're forcing it to work way harder than it needs to. And so what happens is you skip a meal, blood sugar drops, adrenals come into play, you're shooting out uh, cortisol and DHEA to kind of manage that blood sugar mismanagement, that, that instability. And then because there's no fuel in the tank, you your liver now has to come into play and produce some glucose so your liver is like okay we're starving we need fuel we need nourishment like i'll come in let me try and make some glucose here and the way that it does that it's going to pull on minerals and nutrients and it's going to pull from the tissues in order to make that glucose so that it could fuel the body and then it might even go to muscle tissue and take nutrients from the muscle tissue And so now you're like eating yourself. That's really what's happening. It's a very catabolic process and your body is literally starving for food. You're ignoring it. And let's face it, it's not like we just do this a one day. A lot of us are doing this day to day and this is a massive stressor. So, and then what happens is those adrenals are, are, you know, being forced to overwork. And when those adrenals start to kick into play, it tanks your thyroid. So Mm -hmm. now you have this entire cycle of low moods, low energy, fatigue, irritability, PMS, weight gain, brain fog, hair falling out, acne, reacting to food, bloating. And you're like, what happened? It's because you really just didn't feel yourself and you've been doing it maybe for far too long. So it's like making way too many, um, I was going to use like a metaphor there of like going to the bank and taking too many withdrawals (laughs) and you're like in overdraft, right? That's really what's happening there. So the context of eating with stress, you just, you got to eat regularly and you have to eat food and eat enough calories and fuel your body. That nourishment is so important. Mm -hmm. And then would you also recommend practices 
like trying to increase your level of relaxation while you're actually eating. So kind of minimizing distractions, trying to take those deep breaths before meals. Like what are your thoughts on that, Elise? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I know so many people who are like eating when they're driving in the car and, you know, eating in front of the computer. So really important to have boundaries around that. Like step away. You can take 20 minutes or 30 minutes to sit down and eat your meal and not have distractions and not have your phone. Like nothing is going to fall apart because you decided to take those 20 to 30 minutes and eat. Um, So that is a form of self-care, 100%. Taking that time to eat your meal, taking a few deep breaths and calming the body because yeah, a lot of us are eating in a very stressful state, you know, not eating when you're rushed. Don't book meetings during your lunch hour. Like take that time for yourself. That's really essential. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So one other thing I wanted to dive into with you, because I know you have all of this nutrition background and you're so well-versed in the strategy and the science. And I also know you like to combine some spirituality or the woo, as you like to call it. So what are your best practices for bringing those two things together? Yeah, I mean... I don't know if there's necessarily a best practice. I think it's, it can be very individual. Um, But I really think that women have neglected or just don't trust their intuition. They're just disconnected from their intuition. So that's really, I would say if there was one place to really start is like finding their way back to that intuition because We have all the answers within us and we are so caught up in the external world and what the external world is telling us and what so-and-so is telling us and all the distractions and everything like you mentioned earlier that finding that time to be with yourself and be with discomfort and sitting with that and sitting through that and sitting with those emotions that might show up that's a way back to your intuition. It's just that we get so busy that we don't have that opportunity to sit with those emotions and explore what's coming up for ourselves. And so we keep pushing it away and keep pushing it away that we just, we've learned to not trust ourselves. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to take that time and sit with yourself. Um, And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. You know, some women find like yoga is that way back to connecting with their intuition, just sitting in peace and quiet, you know, and maybe meditation is that thing for you. Um, Breath work has always been for me, that's definitely been a thing for me. Um, And also like, talking with somebody, right, we keep so much of it in. And just talking with somebody, maybe it means getting a coach, maybe it means having a therapist, somebody that you could actually sit there and get all of this out. Because that's another thing It's just like, it's so bottled up inside. And, you know, having someone that you can trust to really just like, let all of that out and get some and it's one thing to have, you know, amazing girlfriends where you can share all this information with and have that feedback. And that's a beautiful thing to have. But when there's work to be done, that's where like a coach and a therapist is going to be really valuable because, you know, it's very easy for your friends to be like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. 
it's another thing for a coach or a therapist to actually challenge you on some of those things and help you work through it and see it in a different way. So I think that's like a really important thing for me is, you know, and in so many of our programs and things that that we have with, you know, where we're coaching women and they're like asking me questions about, should I eat this or do I eat that? Or how much of this or that, or even on the business side, you know, um, should I name this? Should I do it like this? You know, how do I create this? And it's just like, what, what do you think? Like, you know, let's build this trust with yourself. You have the answer. So what, what do you feel in alignment with what's coming up for you? It's like trying to get women to just answer those questions for themselves versus, you know, again, relying on the external. Mm-hmm. The difference between facilitating them getting to those answers versus simply telling them what to do. Cause that in the long run, isn't going to serve them. And it might not even be the answer that's most aligned for them. So I love that you brought that up. Totally. Yeah. Thanks. And then you mentioned both coaches and therapists. And I would love your thoughts on when is the right time for a person to see a therapist versus the right time to see a coach? Or do you recommend working alongside one of each? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, it depends. I mean, therapists, especially like talk therapy. I've been to talk therapy. And personally, it's like never really been a thing that's helped move the needle for me. Um, Just kind of sitting there and and not really getting like direct feedback. Like I want to go to therapy and have somebody literally call me out on my bullshit. Like that's what I want. I want somebody to call me out, point out the blind spots because that's the only way I'm going to truly heal and work through things. Like I need to get really uncomfortable and have somebody point this out for me. But I find there's a lot of talk therapy where that's just, that doesn't happen So it might feel nice to sit there and like vent, but then what, like, where is that actually leading? What's the action steps, right? What did you learn from that session? So there's definitely amazing therapists. I just think that it might take time to, you know, interview them and go through, have, you know, those complimentary sessions with them and get to know them and understand their style of therapy to see if it aligns with you. Um, And this is why I say coaching, because I often find with coaching, that's where if you're working with a really great coach, who perhaps might be trauma informed, um, you know, they can really get in there and again, call you out on stuff and um, really hold you to a higher standard. And that's going to be really uncomfortable. Um, But it's through that discomfort, where we find the magic and the healing. And I know it's hard work, but um, if you want to get to the other side, you got to go through the kind of go through the mud, right? Absolutely. Yes. And you brought up another thing that is so important to me in the work I do in, in, I believe the coaching industry in general, trauma informed coaching versus certain types of coaching that are not trauma informed and might be knowingly creating more harm. Can you speak to the distinctions between these two? Yeah. And, you know, I don't do a lot of that in my own practice. Um, I have worked with a, I've worked with my coach back in the day, who's an ontological coach. Mm -hmm. And um, ontology is the study of being. So for three years, I, he was my coach, but he also trained me. 
Um, and so that was a really beautiful experience and that really helped to kind of crack me wide open. And so even though it was a, a lot of trauma work and, um, I, I still wouldn't classify myself as a trauma informed coach. Like I am trauma informed, but I wouldn't lead with that or want to coach people in that space. There's definitely others who would be more well-versed for something like that, but I understand it. So mm -hmm. when I'm coaching somebody, I can often really see those gaps and make those distinctions for people. But with being an integrity is where I'm going to say, I think, you know, this is a deeper conversation for you to have with, you know, a therapist or something like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but I forget the question, the question now, <laughs> the distinction yes. between trauma informed, I forget now. Yeah. So a trauma informed coach and, and my perspective on it, which might be the wrong perspective is not necessarily someone who works with the trauma directly, but understands how trauma can create blocks to people do what other coaches might call doing the work. Totally. So that's my kind of perspective on what it means. It doesn't mean you're like, digging into this because that's definitely a therapist like yeah. realm but just knowing okay you're not like a bad client because you're struggling with this there's probably deeper reason so that's that's kind of where, where I went with trauma-informed yeah. um yeah. so just any thoughts you have on that yeah well I don't think I would have been able to bring my clients to the level of transformation that they had if I hadn't gone through it myself so I feel like there's a lot of experience that lies in that, right? I definitely feel like we can only take our clients as far as we've gone ourselves. And mm -hmm. this is why, you know, being in integrity with what it is you're coaching and teaching, like that's, that's really important. So having that, those years of coaching and mentorship myself, really, again, kind of cracking me open and going through my own traumas and my own healing being able to show up and coach others through that was really powerful. And again, not leading from this, like I'm a trauma informed coach, but I understand it and I have my own experience of it. So being able to coach you and guide you and see those blind spots, I'm able to call them out really quickly on people and do it in a way that is still very loving and, you know, supportive. Um, that's really important. So, yeah, I think it's just having my, my, experience with it allows me to relate a lot to my clients that I've worked with and is what helped has helped led to some really powerful conversations um, because if this makes sense like it's not just in the doing telling people to go do this thing but it's in the being and coaching them in in the being and I, again, I feel like if you don't have experience of that yourself, it's hard to guide somebody through that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. for sure. And I think when you, it does. And then I think that creates that more safe container for them as well, which is so valuable. Totally, totally. So Sam, I have really enjoyed this conversation with you and I want to be respectful of your time. So just two more questions. Yeah. I like to get my I uh, guess when I remember, I don't always give the <laughs> listeners either a sleigh challenge, which is more like your masculine action taking uh, type of challenge. So a sleigh challenge or a thrive challenge, which is more of that being feminine energy 
honoring your emotions kind of challenge. So either a sleigh challenge or a thrive challenge for the listeners. Ooh, I like that. That's, that's a great way to, to position it. A sleigh challenge or a thrive challenge. Um, that's a great, that's a great question. There's so many ideas that I have right now. So what will I go with? Um, I mean, really what's coming to mind and what's leading me is to tell your listeners to minimize distraction and to really challenge themselves in terms of like where they're leaking energy. So Mm -hmm. is that on social media too much? Is that on your email too much? Is that, you know, unhealthy boundaries around your work schedule and really just find where you're, where you're leaking energy and giving too much of that away and try and minimize that distraction so that you can take back your power and, and take back your time and time for yourself. I think that that's really important. That is an amazing challenge. And then, and then finally, how can the audience connect with you, learn more about you and what are you working on right now? Yeah. So I love hanging out on Instagram, so you can definitely come find me there. I do have two accounts. So if you're obviously interested in the health and the wellness and the hormone side, you can find me there at Holistic Wellness Witch and anything on more of the the business entrepreneur side, Samantha underscore Gladish. Um, So you can find me there on Instagram. What I'm working on, oh my God, what am I not working on? I feel like as an entrepreneur, as I'm sure you know, there's like so so many things all of the time. you know, I guess in the nutrition side, we have our naturally nourished program. So that is always what, you know, my, myself and my team are working on and um, supporting the women in that program. So for anyone wanting to dive deeper into thyroid and metabolic health and hormones, our naturally nourished program is for that. And then on the flip side, on the business side, our business mentorship. So coaching other practitioners and wellness coaches. Um, those are kind of the two areas where most of my energy and time goes. Okay, awesome. And I will make sure to post links for all of that in the episode description. Amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the show. If you want to connect with a community of other amazing women who are conquering their goals, taking massive action, and loving themselves through the process, I invite you to join my Facebook community, Slay and Thrive 365. You'll get weekly challenges, motivation, support, and accountability as you move towards your goals. Hope to see you there very soon.